lady, we love you. Man, Anna, Sophia, we love you and truly thank God for your walk and your ministry and your leadership. Amen. We have a prayer request that have come in, and we want to take this need before, before the Lord. We have been praying for Ranjiv, um, and uh, he had to return to the hospital. Uh, so we want to go before the Lord and intercede on his behalf. I'm going to read this to you, uh, what he's requesting of us, and we certainly will comply. Jiv, if you're watching, is my brother. Uh, Sister Carly, we are praying with you tonight. If we could stand to our feet, I'm going to read this, and we're going to go before the Lord on their behalf. And he writes, can I please be put back on the church prayer list? I went to the hospital this weekend. Uh, recovery is slow, uh, going through more difficulty uh, than we anticipated. I'm still claiming healing in Jesus' name, and we're claiming it with you, my brother. In Jesus' name, I'm remaining faithful and not questioning his timing. That being said, I am still in a lot of pain and need, a, need the church uh, praying for me also and for my family, especially uh, my dear wife, who is wonderful, strong, and is stretched thin. Uh, you in the advance, thank you in advance uh, for your continued prayers and support. Uh, we love you all. Uh, let's go before the Lord right now on his behalf. Father, in the name of Jesus, God, we thank you, Lord God, for God being a God that answers all things, Father. Being, O oh Lord, a God that has no limits, Father. Being a God, Father, that can do all things, Father. There is nothing impossible, Father, for you. Father, now, in the name of Jesus, we lift up Jeff, Father, before you. We pray for his healing, Father. We pray that virtue, come on, everybody, we pray that virtue will begin to flow right now in the name of Jesus. Whatever the difficulty is, Father, whatever the setback is, Father, in the name of Jesus, we reverse it now in Jesus' name. Hallelujah, Lord God. We take authority right now, Father, over everything, Father, that God has withstanding his body. Lord God, in Jesus' name, Father, as it is already done in heaven, we lose healing upon this earth in his body, Father. As it is already in heaven, Father, we lose virtue upon his body right now, Father. We plead the blood of Jesus. Come on, family. We plead the blood of Jesus over Jeff right now, Father. We speak healing into his body. We speak deliverance into his body. We speak right now, Father. Oh, yea, Lord God, a quick, Lord God, return, a quick, Father, healing, Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord God. We speak right now, Father, to that part of the body, to that head, to that vessel. God, we bind the pain. We bind the origin of the pain in the name of Jesus. We take authority in the name of Jesus, Lord, and we loose healing upon him. Come on, everybody. We loose healing upon him. We loose virtue upon him, Father. We loose upon him a new anointing. We loose upon him, Lord God, recovery in an expeditious way, in the name of Jesus. We thank you right now, Father. It is done, and it is so, in Jesus' name. Come on, let's give the Lord a hand, praise, and let's celebrate that right now. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen, amen, amen. I know that the Lord is a healer. How many can testify in here today that the Lord is a healer? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I remember coming from Germany one time, and I had something going on in my body. They putting all kind of cameras in me, doing this ultrasound, that ultrasound, and all that goes with that. Couldn't find anything. I went to a church service one night in San Antonio, Texas. I will never forget it. Maybe my second or third time in that service, and faith said, go to the altar and let them pray for you. They anointed me, laid hands on me in Jesus' name. I hadn't had the problem since him been back to the, him has not been back to the doctor since that time. I'm letting you know right now, God is a healer, and there's nothing impossible uh, for God. Come on, somebody. God's a healer, and there's nothing impossible for him to do. Amen. Amen. 
I, 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 you can have a seat for a minute. We're going to read the scripture in just a second. I'm going to share something, something with you. I had an interesting experience over the weekend, and uh, I believe that God's timing is just perfect. It's just perfect. I think that sometimes we can encounter some things in terms of a, a way of learning a lesson, and then the Lord has a way of bringing us back to revisit something. Maybe it's for our, 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 our learning benefit. Maybe we didn't capture everything we needed to capture the first time. Uh, but the second time, I, I certainly got the message. Amen. Um, several years ago, somewhere between 2013, 2014, 2012, 2013, I was visiting the Abundant Life Outreach Center in Tennessee. And on this particular weekend, Pastor Urshan was preaching a revival there. He was preaching that Thursday, uh, participating in a Saturday workshop, and preaching that Sunday 8.30 service and the 11 o'clock service, and we had a time in God. Well, that Thursday, uh, on the way down, uh, Pastor Urshan had missed his exit uh, to come in through Russellville, come in through Bowling Green, come in through Russellville, uh, and had went ahead, and I've missed that exit traveling down myself several times. Well, I just happened to be down there at that same time Pastor Urshan was, was coming in town to preach, and we're, we're not, we weren't sure at the time uh, what had happened, what was the delay with, with Pastor Urshan, and as we're walking up uh, some set of stairs in the church heading to there, uh, Bishop Ellis, Pastor Ellis looked at me and said, you're preaching tonight. Now, it's one thing to be notified at the last second that you're preaching it's another thing to be notified that you're preaching when everybody else is expecting Pastor, Pastor Urshan to preach. That's a story altogether differently. So I ran to the car, grabbed my suit, grabbed my shirt, went upstairs, getting myself together, ironing my shirt, and getting dressed in the bathroom. And as I'm getting dressed, I heard a familiar voice in the office, and it was Pastor Urshan. I looked up to the words of the Lord, and I said, Lord, I know you love me now. I know you love me now. Well, this past weekend, I was down there again, and uh, my wife and I were journeying back. We went and picked up our daughters from Texas, met our, her family in Arkansas, uh, journeying back in, and we were only going to stay for the 8, 8.30 service, just a Sunday school service to get on the road and come on home. Well, uh, Sunday school AM service is over. Uh, Bishop Ellis came and sat beside Mildred and I and said, said to me, um, uh, you're preaching the 11 o'clock service. And I, I said, well, uh, I, said, I said, Bishop, uh, uh, Mildred's not feeling well. And she really wasn't. I was planning on getting her home. She wasn't feeling really well. I said, she's not feeling well. I, I wanted to get on the road to get her home. So he looked at Mildred and said, Mildred, do you think you can be healed long enough to allow your husband to preach? She said, yes, right? And I said, well, you know, I, 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 I'm preaching, I'm preaching. So I ran to the car once again, grabbed my suit, grabbed my shirt, grabbed my tie, went upstairs, got dressed. And uh, lo and behold, I want to share this with you because sometimes we don't think that God, God knows what he's doing. I'm telling you right now, God knows what he's doing. I want you to know that. And so God had been dealing with me. In fact, that, sun, that Sunday morning, 2.30, the Lord woke me up and was just sort of prompting me. You know how the Lord does with us some time to pray and then sort of focus in on something, uh, which, I, which I did, and, but then I, I laid back down. You know, my whole scope and focus is to meet that service and then get on the road. Well, I ministered that morning at 11 o'clock, and um, we, had a, we had a wonderful, wonderful time in God. We had a wonderful time in God. I ministered a thought. I'm not going to teach it tonight. Maybe later, later time I will teach it, but I ministered from a thought from Revelation chapter 7, and I said that the subject title was the blood, but it should have been titled your wedding garment, your wedding garment, which it should have been titled. 
Well, upon conclusion of that service, three received the Holy Ghost and five was baptized in Jesus' name. I, I, I'm just doing what the song said. I'm just making my boast in the Lord. That's what the song just said. I, I'm just making my boast in the Lord because we don't know when God's going to use us, how God's going to use us, where God's going to use us. All we know that is I am an instrument in the hand of God. And, and whenever, however, wherever he decides or chooses to use either one of us, hallelujah, I want to be that vessel in his hand uh, to be used by him at, at any time. Well, I want to share with you tonight a, a, a very interesting topic a uh, pastor that ministered uh, from this today. Now, I'm not pastor, and I'm certainly not going to be as exhaustive as he is in teaching uh, and drop some revelation on us the way that he does. But I do want to bring out something uh, that I think that will just sort of help us uh, move forward in some things. Uh, as the summer uh, wraps itself up, three more weeks, our kids will be back in school. Can you believe that? You know, August the 14th is just around the corner. Come on, parents. Y'all like, Lord, come on. God, extend the summer just one more week. Just one more week. But they'll, they'll be back in school here soon, and they're excited. Uh, tennis practice, football practice, all those things are going on right now. So uh, we're just weeks away from them cracking that door open. Turn with me to the book of Hebrews, uh, to Hebrews chapter 4. And we're going to go to verse 12 and read through verse 16. I'm reading from the King James Version today uh, with this opening scripture, but we're going to do some bouncing around with translations and other things. Would you stand for the reading of the word of the Lord this, this evening? We certainly appreciate that. Amen. Giving honor to the word of God today. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12. Say amen when you have it. Amen. amen. For the word of God is, for the word of God is quick and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even the dividing asunder of soul and spirit, and the joints and the marrow, and is a discerner of thoughts and the intent of the heart. Neither is there any creature that is not manifested in his sight, but all things are naked and open unto the eyes of him, which whom we have to do. Seeing then that we have a great high priest that is passed into the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast. Everybody say hold fast. Our profession. Our profession. For we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. I want to share from a thought. We're going to kind of do some navigating this afternoon. I'm looking at the clock here. Uh, we got plenty of time. It's summertime. Y'all ain't got nowhere to go tomorrow. <laughs> so we're going to. It's summertime. Kids ain't got to get up in the morning, you know. Come on. Y'all already got babysitters lined up. So we're going to work our way through the word tonight. How about that? Is that okay? All right. So pray with me, if you will. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for your grace and mercy. Thank you for being loving and kind, Father. We worship you, Lord God, for there's nobody like you, Father. You gave us salvation, Father. You created this world alone by yourself, Father. The ground we're walking on, you're provided, Father. The air that we're breathing, Father, you're providing. The health that is in our body, Father, you provided, Father. So we give you thanks, Father, for all things, Father. All things seen, Father, all things that we have not seen, Father, we give you thanks for it. And we ask now, Father, that you will help us in this time as we share together. We ask now, Lord God, that you would give us clarity of mind 
mind and speech and enable me to convey, Father, this thought tonight. Father, with your help, I need your help tonight. And everyone said in Jesus' name. Now, before you're seated tonight, somebody shout, help the preacher. Help the preacher. I want to minister to you. may be seated. I want to minister to you tonight just from this, this thought of the working of the word, the working of the word. And as I, I look out tonight, I, I, I don't want to uh, miss this opportunity um, to share this with you just really quick. Uh, Monday evening, we got back from Arkansas uh, Sunday night. Uh, Monday evening, I got a phone call from Sister Jackie Harrison. Uh, I don't know if your nephew is here tonight. He's not here, but I got a phone call from her, uh, was looking for somebody to help minister to, to her nephew who wanted to make a decision for Christ like right then and there on the spot. And uh, I'm physically tired, I'm drained, uh, but I know how to use a cell phone. So I call uh, Brother Brandon Jordan, I call Brother Darren Parnell, and whichever one answered first was gonna be the one to get the task. Where's he at? <laughs> was gonna be the one to get the task. And I told Sister Jackie, I said, well, he needed to key him, just some other things took place. I said, well, if we can't get him, I'm on my way down, I'm on my way down. Well, we got in touch with Brother Brandon. I didn't know, but she had called Brother Brandon while I'm calling Brother Brandon. And it was like, she called him, I called him. Uh, and then as I'm on the phone with Brother Brandon, Brother uh, Darren Parnell called. And so we, we had a rally of folks that was, that was responding because there was a soul that wanted to make a yes decision for Christ Jesus. <laughs> Hallelujah. And, and so as all that was, was occurring, uh, uh, Brandon said, I, I got it. I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to take care of it. Brother Mark Purdy came down, led him, in, led him into the church. And I don't know, it had to be at least two hours, maybe an hour and a half later. All I did was got a video from Sister Jackie of this brother going, being baptized in Jesus' name on a Monday night. Being baptized in Jesus' name. Listen, listen. After the Lord had already filled him with the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. Come on, somebody. You know. After the ministry of the word of the Lord, glory, 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 glory. So, so I, I, I love the fact, I love the fact that, 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 that God does not follow anybody's program. God does not need anybody's special service. He does not need the Wednesday Bible study. He does not need the Sunday morning service. God will use either one of us at any point in period of time to manifest his will in the sight and in the life of somebody who's seeking him. It's all about the working of the, of the word of God. There are a lot of cliches that are in the world. Some worthy to remember, uh, others not so much. But when you hear the statement that, that it all begin in him and it will all end in him, uh, that's not a cliche, that is, that is actually the word of God. I said that's not a cliche, that is actually the word of God. It all begin in him and it will all end in him. Revelations 1, verse 8 tells us, this says, I am Alpha, the Omega, uh, the beginning and the end, saith the Lord, uh, which is, which was, and which is to come, the, the Almighty. He is the first and the last, okay, the beginning and the end. Isaiah 44, verse 6 tells us this. He says, thus saith the Lord, thus saith the, Lord the King of Israel, and his Redeemer, the Lord of hosts. I am the first, everybody say, he is the first, and he is the last. And he is the last. Y'all sound a little afraid to make that statement. I'm letting you know right now, he is the first. And, and no one else coming after him, I'm letting you know right now. If you're looking for somebody else to come out of him, I want to let you know you're going to be deceived and disappointed because there ain't nobody else coming after the Lord. He is the first and, and he is the last. And he says this, besides me, there, there is no God. I find comfort in the fact that knowing that who I begin my relationship with... 
is the same one I'm going to end my relationship with. It's, it's not like some of us, some, some human beings and some people across our, our nation and, and across our world, uh, we have various opinions about who I'm starting with and, and who I'm, I'm ending with. I, I, I don't know, maybe that's a little bit too heavy for us right now, but I'm here to tell you right now, if I started with God, come on somebody, I, I'm going to end with God because he is the first and everybody say that and he is the last. So what he started in my life, he's going to finish in my life. It doesn't matter what I experienced in between all that. What I started with is what I'm going to end with because it's all in him. Come on, somebody. And beside him, there is no one else. There's no one else to adjust, adjust what I'm experiencing. There's no one else to, read, to deviate the pattern or course in which I'm on. So it's all in him. It begin in him and it will end in him. That's Isaiah 44 and 6. So everything that we're living is now on earth. We're living what has already been uh, preceded us or predetermined by God. The experiences that we have, the victories that we have, the promotions that we experience, the joys that we experience has already preceded us and has already been predetermined, predetermined by God. Okay, Ecclesiastes tells us this. It says, he hath made everything beautiful in his time, and also he has set the world, set the world in their heart, so that no man can find out the work that God hath made, that God maketh from the beginning to, to the end. He says no man can, can find it out. This is why faith is so very powerful and so very important. Because as we're navigating this journey, we're all on this, on this Christian journey, we're all on this experience. As we're navigating that, we are solely depending upon God. Our soul, faith, our reliability, everything about us is directly dependent upon God. Everybody say amen. Okay, Ecclesiastes, same chapter, same verse, and the Living Translation says it this way. It says, everything is appropriate in its own time. But though God planted eternity in the heart of man, even so, many cannot see the whole scope of God, God's work from the beginning to the end. I, I, I once heard a statement. Uh, it, it said that, that in the heart of mankind, uh, how God had placed eternity, so there is a drive for me for something that does not exist in this world. If you, you look around, I'm, I probably butchered the cliche, but if you look around at the activity of the participants within Christianity, you ever wonder why somebody drives as hard as they drive for God? You ever wonder, wonder about that? You ever wonder why many of us live as hard as we do for the Lord? That's because there's something in us reaching for something outside of us which we have never seen. There's an eternal aspect of us that we have already gleaned in the spirit. We know that it's there. So everything I'm living out now is gravitating towards the thing that God said I can look forward to, which is my expected end. Come on, somebody say amen, right? So, so I understand your drive. I understand your prayer life. I understand your motivation. I understand the songs you sing. I understand the instruments you play. I understand the glory that you give God because there's something inside of you reaching out for something that ahead of you, which your eyes have not seen, which your ears have not heard, because God had planted inside of us eternity. And it's amazing to me how that there are some of us, some believers within the spectrum of Christianity, that don't know how to manifest that drive. Glory. Don't know how to go after the thing that God has placed in your heart. I often use this experience or this, this analogy, apologize, because I can't think of a better one right now. I'm a food addict. I'm just going to be honest. Confession is good for the soul. I, I, love, I love everything cooked. 
flat out, I love everything cooked, right? If, if it's not cooked and it's just smoked the right way, I'm, I'm down. I'm still down. I'm, I'm really down. Uh, there is a barbecue place I can drive to blindfolded. Uh, uh, I really can in Kentucky. In Kentucky, I forget the name of it right now, but I can take you right there like right now, right? It's on exit 82. Uh, uh, I, I'll tell you right now. I can tell you, t take, take you right there. If I'm in Atlanta, it's a restaurant called This Is It. I can take you right there. Over off of 85, uh, my cousin lives in Reynoldstown, and I think this is, is somewhere south of 285, 85. It's called This Is It. This is the best barbecue you ever eaten in your life. Let me tell you something. When I hit Atlanta, I know exactly where I'm going. Because there's something inside of me that expects what's coming. There's something inside of me that expects what's coming. So there is a drive towards something that I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to, that I'm looking forward to. I was recently, uh, probably within the last year, introduced to City Barbecue, uh, which, is, which was actually new to me uh, because I confused City Barbecue with um, Bill Miller's Barbecue in Texas, San Antonio, Texas, Bill Miller's. And for some reason, I got the names mixed up and I, uh, Bill Miller's wasn't the best barbecue, so I wasn't really looking forward to going to City Barbecue. But when somebody gave me a sample of something from City Barbecue, that just changed my whole paradigm. <laughs> because it created an expectation after I taste what the goods were. So there's a drive for me for something when I know that there is an expectation. There is an expectation. I think similarly in our Christian experience, and I apologize about being so shallow, but there should be a drive in every last one of us for what we are expecting for what we are expecting. How, how, can, I, how can I word that out a, a little differently? That means this right here. So, so, so in other words, in other words, if I am believing God for whatever type of healing that I am in need of, whatever type of deliverance that I am in need of, whatever type of victory that I am in need of, that thought alone, that desire alone, creates an expectation for the thing that I'm believing God for. So because of that expectation, there is a drive in me to trust God for the healing. There's a drive in us as believers to trust God for the victory. There is a drive in us as believers to trust God for the deliverance, whether it is ourselves or whether it is somebody else that we are interceding for, we can trust God for that because there is an expectation based upon what we believe will be the delivered results. Somebody say amen in here. Y'all sitting quiet. I'm feeling something right now. You know, here's, a, here, here's, a, here's revelation. Here's revelation now. You know that sometimes as believers, we do not, uh, I would say, activate or incorporate the soul-winning tactics that's necessary to see somebody delivered from the chains of darkness into the marvelous lights of God, marvelous light of God. We don't incorporate the soul-winning tactics that's necessary to see somebody delivered. Sometimes, sometimes, and the reason being, reason being, okay, because we do not have an expectation for that deliverance. Who I want to walk right now, but I'm just going to stay right here for, for just a second. When there is an expectation within us, we have a way of just going uh, reckless abound in prayer. Reckless abound in our fastings, reckless abound in our time that we spend in the presence of God because we believe that the Lord is going to do that. Come on, somebody. We believe that the Lord is going to do that. I want you to know right now, I don't know what pit that we may have come out of, what chains were broken off of our lives, uh, what part of our mind God had delivered uh, and had to be delivered from it. But I promise you that did not happen by accident. 
That, that did not happen because we willed it to happen. Because every last one of us was bound and sinned and, and captured by the enemy. But there was somebody that said a prayer. There, there was somebody that went before God on our behalf. And I don't know how long it took. I don't know what month or what year it took. But looking at the faces of those that are around here, I believe some of us experienced it back in the 40s. Some of us experienced it. Come on, somebody. somebody some of us experienced it in the 50s. Some of us experienced it in the 60s. One brother experienced it just the other day. Why? Because somebody stood in the gap and went after something because there was an expectation. There was an expectation that we were going to receive the delivered results. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So the word of God tells us in Isaiah 46 and 10. Says he, 46 and 10 says he declared the end from the beginning. And from the ancient times the things which are not yet done, saying, my counsel shall stand. I will do all my pleasure. This is the Lord. Second Timothy tells us this. It says, Timothy... He says, yea, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall, shall, suffer, shall suffer persecution. So your victory, I want you to catch this, so your victory is not predicated upon time. Your victory is predicated upon what's written in the word of God. This is why it's so important that our affirmation, our confession lines up with the word of God. I can't proclaim something, I can't grab up to something uh, in my own imagination that the Word of God does not support. Follow me, somebody. So if I'm in need of something, I've got to find that scripture, pull that scripture directly into my reality, and allow myself to live out what God has already said in His Word. This is, this is our challenge, but this is where we have the greatest experiences, amen, as believers. There, there are times when our reality does not match our theology. Who? There are times when our reality does not match our theology. Our reality may say that we are broken, and, and I don't know where that next meal is coming from. But our theology says that God will never allow us to suffer nor go unfair. That is, that is our theology. My, my reality may say that I do not have a roof over my head at this moment. But my theology said that God will provide covering for me. Come on, somebody. Right? My, my reality may say a lot of things, but what, here's the challenge. I've got to pull my theology into my reality and walk on the truth of what God already said and declared about me as his child and as a believer in the kingdom of God. Come on, y'all. You know, we've got to be able to understand that there are challenges that we're here. We're living in right now. We're, we are we are experiencing. We are experiencing as believers here at the Tree of Life Church. We are experiencing what walking in our reality and pulling our theology into our reality is all about. Uh, maybe a year ago, or so y'all know what it was when we started our Ready Now campaign. Well, all the counsel, all the sacrifices, all the commitments. And then what happened month by month after we started that campaign, we saw how God was allowing what? The promises that we said, the promises that he's made to be pulled into our, our reality, be pulled into our reality. I think that one of the challenges that we have is not allowing, we cannot allow our circumstance to dictate to us how we feel or think about what we are experiencing what we are experiencing. Our faith and salvation is based upon the Lord, his sacrifice, his word. And as we learn, as we learn of him and come to believe in him through the Bible, we then learn to depend upon the Bible as our sole source of truth. Turn with me to 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 2. We're going to work through this. 
I was having a conversation with somebody, and I'm going to work my way through this as we, we talk about this particular scripture, as I read this scripture. I, I was having a conversation with somebody, and I said to them, I said, I think that one of the, one of the most challenging things as, as a believer uh, in this day and age, for sure, uh, one of the challenging things in the church is silence. I'm going to qualify that. I think that one of the challenging things, one of the most challenging things in the church is silence. I'm not talking about your praise because you know how to praise God. With the musicians and the song leaders we have, let me tell you something. You're doing yourself a disservice if you don't know how to open up your mouth, put your hands together, and give the Lord a hand praise with the worship that we have been experiencing here. So I'm not talking about our worship. I'm not talking about that. I'm not talking about you reading the word of God. I'm talking about us opening our mouths and declaring and declaring in the ears, in the ears of believers what God had already said about that about their situation, about their life experiences, about their sick loved one, or about that uh, situation pertaining to them. Some time ago, there, we had some neighbors, my wife and I, uh, who used to live uh, next to us. And um, I can't tell you why it happened this way, but I can just tell you what the results were. And so uh, my neighbors were trying to conceive. They had a son. Uh, they were wanting another, another child. And uh, I just felt led, and I can't tell you if I said it, I don't remember, it's been that long. In fact, I don't want to say that I said it, because I think that many of us probably would not understand the statement that I did say that I don't think I did say because I don't remember. <laughs> but I can tell you the end, the end results is this here. My wife was talking with the lady, and, and what I wanted to say was this right here, is that I felt led of God to tell her if she stops smoking, God's going to allow her to conceive. I felt very strongly led of God to say that to her. I was very passive about it. We were just really getting to know one another. So I was a little hesitant on, on saying that. So I just prayed it. Lord, help her to quit smoking. She desires a baby. And, and, and I just prayed it. I never said it to her. I just prayed it. So I'm out there talking to her. It's like one of those, those neighbors where you talk across a fence. You know, you can see one another, but, you know, you're talking across the fence. And she said, you know what? I just, I just, I, I quit smoking. I think it's better for my body. And I just like. Wow, okay, she, she stopped smoking, and I, I thought that was a good thing. And I didn't know that Mildred had did this because one day her and Mildred were out there talking, and Mildred stopped and prayed for her, prayed for her. So I would say to you today that her daughter is seven years old, the second child that they had, you know. Follow me now, follow me now, follow me. Oh, yeah, they deserve, deserve praise, they deserve praise, right? But I was initially silent. I was initially silent. I was, I was apprehensive about saying what I felt led of God to say. The results honored God, certainly, you know, but how many of us sometimes are in the body of Christ, right, and we're silent because we fail to proclaim what God wants to work in somebody's life based upon his word. We're silent sometimes. We're, we're silent. We enjoy one another's fellowship. We enjoy the humor. We enjoy the laughter. I enjoy iron when it's sharpening iron. We enjoy all that, but there comes a moment in time in our Christian experience as believers in this house and across the spectrum within Christianity, well, God will allow you to begin to share something that will help strengthen somebody else's faith. It's not pre-planned. It's not something that you conceived in your mind, but it's, it's you walking in the sensitivity to God's spirit, having a knowledge, having a knowledge of his word, and then releasing into the atmosphere seeds that will be sown into that person's life. I'm either on somebody's toes or you're pondering that thought. Because as we are in conversation, as we are in study, as we are in fellowship, every fellowship, every time we come in contact with one another, don't you know that there is a God moment that is possible 
for a mega seed to be sown? Don't you know that any time that we are in fellowship, that a God moment is possible for a mega seed to be sown? Now, that's the intention and the heart, heartbeat of God. Well, how do you know that? I'm going to tell you experience, and then we'll line it with the word of God, with the scripture we're about to read. In 1919, 2007, we're on our way from New Jersey coming here to Ohio. And I'm praying. I'm at the house. I think in the military. We're already at the military community. We're in an apartment there in Eatontown, New Jersey. And I'm praying about this move. I'm praying about this move. And here's what the Lord said to me. He said, sow seeds in your spirit for success. Watch this. So when the door of the Lord opens, you're already in a prepared state. He said that to me, and I, I just deposited it. I just deposited it. And I, I just held on to it. But then later I started thinking about exactly what that meant. You can't wait to get in position to get prepared. You have to get prepared before you get in position. Say amen. Say amen. You have to get prepared before you get into position. This is one of the challenges. I mean, you know, I'm the evangelism guy. You know, I, I, I'm, I'm just a guy. That's, that's it. I'm, I'm just your brother. But I, I believe that God can use any last one of us to witness and to minister to somebody and lead them to repentance, to lead them to receiving the Holy Ghost. And one of the ministers, pastor, one of the elders here will baptize them in Jesus' name. I just believe that. I don't think there's anything complicated about it. How many of y'all just believe that with me? I, it's a little foggy up here. These, these, these lights are really bright. I don't see everybody's hands. But I, I, just, I just think it's just that easy. I really, and I believe that there's fasting. I believe that there's prayer. I believe that you're binding a strong man. I, I believe that. I believe that God has given us authority. But I, I believe it is as simple as preparing ourselves for that moment whenever that moment arises. Whenever that moment arises. Before we read the scripture, uh, we had some people at the house the other day, uh, week before last, before we were out of town, and uh, they were bringing in some, some furniture. Uh, uh, we were blessing the girls while, while they were out. They didn't know that we were doing all this work and just renovating the rooms and all that, and, and they came back the other day and were just like crazy excited, and I, I got all kind of dad points. You know, dad, y'all, if y'all dads in there, y'all know how to get them dad points, you know. Oh, daddy, we love you, that room, oh, we so happy. I'm like, yeah, I meant to do that, I meant to do that, you know. Uh, which I did, which I did, right? Um, but these brothers came in. One was named Tyreek, uh, not Tyreek, the one was named Miles. And uh, I'm trying to think of the other brother's name right now. Just give me a moment. But they came in and they're loading furniture. We're talking, we're dialoguing. They're originally from Brooklyn, New York, moved down here to Columbus. And, and uh, now they're working for this company, Ashley Furniture, whatever company it was. And they brought some furniture to the house. And I, I stopped them, uh, you know, as they were bringing furniture up downstairs, setting up beds and all that. I said, let me ask you guys something. I said, I said do you all uh, uh, have any kind of connections with Christ? And you know what they said? They, they paused for a second. They said, this is like the third time somebody has asked me that, you know? And I, and I thought to myself, you know, once or twice would have been coincidence, you know, but it's, it, it would have been ordained of God. But he said, this is like the third time somebody has reached for us and, and said that. And I, without even hesitation, I said, man, I said, God's trying to let you know he's trying to get you ready because he's about to return. That he's about to return. And I said, I, I asked them, did they have a church in Columbus that they went to? They didn't have a church in Columbus. And I'm, you know, let me tell you this. Let me, let me, let me just make the statement. If you want to see uh, somebody's salvation, see somebody make a yes decision for Christ, you got to be, be willing to make a sacrifice. Let, let me just say that. 
And, and in our conversation, I said, man, I said, listen, I said, I will drive to Columbus, share with you all the Bible study, which I've done it before, and I'll share that in a, in a second. I said, because if you're designed to grow in the knowledge of God's word, I'm here to tell you right now, I will make myself available so that you can receive what God wants you to receive. Because silence is a detriment to the church. Silence is a detriment to the church. The, the, the reason, the reason, not us because the Lord is blessing us, but the reason we do not see growth, exponential growth in a lot of lives and a lot of churches across our nation is because too many believers are silent. Too many believers are silent and are unwilling to make the sacrifice. Not many people on a Monday night after a Sunday long day, after they preach Sunday morning, will make the sacrifice and connect up with Sister Jackie to come all the way to the church, have somebody else get the key, get him in the church, minister to somebody, but God honored the sacrifice. God honored the sacrifice. See, we've, we've got to learn that there is something connected with, with our sacrifice and, and us honoring the word of God. There, there's something connected with that. Watch this here. Peter says this here. He says, grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of our God and Jesus our Lord. According to his divine power have given unto us all things, everybody say all things, pertaineth unto life and godliness. Watch this now. He has done what? He has given us what? Everybody say all things. Whatever you need to succeed, God has given it to you. I wasn't really listening for the echo, but y'all gave me one. Whatever you need to succeed, God has already given it to you. Because God wants us to succeed, to, be a, to succeed. So he has already given us everything pertaining to life and godliness through the knowledge of him that has called us to glory and virtue. Then he says this, whereby are given unto us exceeding great precious promises. Everybody say precious promises that by these you might be partakers of the divine nature, of that divine nature. Now, not gonna tackle that right now. Having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust, and besides this, and besides this, giving all diligence, everybody say add. Now I'm gonna tell you something. I wanna share this with you, right? The way that we increase in our understanding, the way that we increase in our Christian activity or participation in God's will, Everybody say it's to add. It's to add. You can't subtract from your prayer life and expect to be victorious. But if you add to it, I promise you, you will. You can't subtract from your fasting times and days and expect to be victorious. Come on, somebody. But if you leave famous Dave's alone, I promise you, God will do something for you. Hear me now. Hear me now. Because when you add something, when you add something, God's going to take notice of what you're adding in the relationship and walk with him. And God's going to do something in your walk and ministry. Every one of us in here have a ministry. Do something in your walk and ministry that you are designed to do that's going to glorify his name. And you're going to see the end results of it and your fruitfulness. So he says this here, add to your, to your faith. To add means to furnish besides Contribute or aid. Contribute or aid. That's what add is defined here uh, in the Greek. He says, add to your faith. What? Contribute to your faith. Right? Add to your faith. What else? Furnish besides your faith. Right? And to that virtue. And the virtue knowledge. Everybody say knowledge. Now, here's what knowledge is in the simplest form. Here's what knowledge is. Making the unknown known. In the simplest form. That's what knowledge is. Making the unknown known. So how do I make the unknown known? If, if this was a small group, we'd have a lot of fun right about now. 
we, 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 we really would, right? But you study the Word of God, obviously you do. You read the Word of God. But then you come to Bible studies. You come to uh, 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 Sunday morning services. You participate. You, you, you get involved. So you've got to make the unknown known. And he says, and to knowledge, temperance, and to temperance, patience, and patience, godliness, to godliness, brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness, charity. Here's what he says. For if these things be in you and do what? Abound. Everybody say abound. Watch this now. They make you that you shall neither be barren. Everybody say barren. They make you that you should never, never be banned. If these things are in you and they are bounding, if they are in you and they are bounding, they make you that you are never barren. Anybody care to guess what that word barren means? It will blow your mind. It will blow your mind. It doesn't mean empty. It doesn't mean lack. That word barren defined, it means this here. It means lazy and active and unemployed. Lazy and active and unemployed. Now, I had to think about that for just a second, you know. And, and the reason being, it, it, it gripped my attention because so many of us, so many of us, and I mean I'm included, all of us, and those with inside the spectrum of Christianity, uh, uh, we, we, we have a lazy tendency. We have a lazy tendency. We have a lazy tendency. We, we have an almost unemployable attitude or demeanor. Mm. And, 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 I, and I say that from, from just from an evangelistic perspective, just from an evangelistic perspective, not stepping on anybody's toes or, or, or digging up something I ain't got no business digging at, but just from an evangelism perspective. Because sometimes we deem a person unqualified when God has qualified them. Here's what I mean by that, okay? Just because a person is not laid over in the gutter somewhere, and they're sitting in the XO's office, that person is just as much qualified as a person in the gutter. But we're not convinced of that, doctrinally speaking. Now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hurt you in just a second. I'm not going to hurt you. I'm going to help us in, in just a second, and, and, and I'm going to show you how. I'm going to show you how. So our inactivity looks at the individual or the situation and then we disqualify or qualify that individual based upon what we visually see instead of what we biblically believe. Yes. Based upon what we see and not what we biblically believe. What do I mean by that? This is what I mean by that. If, if heaven is heaven to gain and hell is hell to avoid, then some of us would care or have enough passion to not disqualify somebody yes. and qualify somebody else. Yes. Our challenge in this, in this last day, our challenge in this last day is not to be silent. Our challenge in this last day is not to be silent. We get comfortable in our, our Christian participation and our service to the kingdom and our ministry and what we do inside the Tree of Life Church. And let me tell you something, it is very much welcome. Come on, somebody. We wouldn't be the Tree of Life Church without you doing what you do for God. But you know, when we get to, get to heaven, you know the Lord's not going to ask you how great a singer you was? Come on, Sopranos. Holler back at you, boy. He's not going to ask us that. He's not going to ask us how great a titter we were. Because I can sing too. Y'all just don't see me up here. I'm just waiting on the invitation. I'm just kind of keeping that gift on reservation, on, on, on reserve right now. 
but, but soon and very soon, you know, I'm going to sing, we are going to see the king. Y'all think I'm joking, I promise you, I'm going to sing my song one day. But, but when I get to heaven, the Lord's not going to ask me how great a tenor you were. I already asked brother, brother Justin Andrews, brother, you know, you need to get me up there, man. You know, I got a gift. I don't know why y'all laughing. I'm telling you the truth. I got a gift. Well, the Bible says your gift will make room for you. If you ain't got room yet, you ain't got a gift. But sometimes we, our silence, is, it, it, it guilts us. It guilts us because we're not expressing the heartbeat of God. Hear me now. Hear me now. When God filled us with his spirit, every last one of us got a gift that, that cannot be compared to anything in your life experience. Oh, y'all missed that. Y'all missed that. The Holy Ghost is a gift that's in us that cannot compare to anything in our life experience. You could win $40 million and will not compare to, that, to the Holy Ghost. It is a gift inside of us. And, and, and that gift gives us the ability, that gives us, gives us the power, that gives, gives us the, the persuasive, this persuasive, persuasive ability, persuasive power to convey to somebody the heartbeat of God. So here's what he says here. He says, make you that you're neither unfruitful, lazy, inactive, or unemployable, nor unfruitful in the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. But he that lacketh these things is blind and cannot see afar off and has forgotten that he was purged from his old sins. Isn't that something right there? Just to read in scripture how Peter is saying the reason that your life is unfruitful, the reason that you are inactive, the reason that we are not laboring the way that the word of the Lord expects us to labor is because we forgot what it was like when God delivered us. That's what he's saying. He's, he's wanting us to reflect on the, on the fact that we were once there. We were once without a Savior. We were once blind. We were once bound to sin. But we're no longer there. But we forgot we were there. We forgot we were there. So, so, so in other words, I've got to begin to remember what God did for me. If, you know, when, when the scripture tells us to stir up the gift that's within us, you know what that what helps to stir up that gift that's within us? Has anybody ever had to stir the gift up that's within you? Y'all either just having that, that reflective moment or y'all not being honest with me. Has anybody ever had to stir that gift up that's within you? Where, where, where that thing, those flames have kind of kind of dwindled down, you know, those embers have grown cold, you know, and 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 then you start to lean one way when you sit and lean away, you know, that 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 means there's something happening in your life and those those flames are not as hot as what, what they used to be. That means that those embers are not as white as red uh, as they used to be. That means that we have drifted from that spot. So when he says stir up the gift that, that is within you, that means we've got to go and requate ourselves with the power of God in our lives. We've got to remember some things about what happened when we made that transition. Come on, somebody, from the kingdom of darkness into this marvel. We've got to remind ourselves. And when we remind ourselves of what God did for us, something stirs up on the inside. Come on. And that passion is just like renewed within us to do what? To do all that God has called me to do. To do some things I'm not, I don't even know I'm called to do, but to step out by faith. Step out by faith and, and allow the word to have its it's free course in our lives. So silence is a detriment. The other thing is a detriment is our, our, our inactivity. He goes on to say this here, and I'm, I'm, I'm reading some things. He says, by adding to our knowledge, making the, known, making the unknown known, and our Christian experience, all these listed characters, virtue, knowledge, 
temperance, patience, godliness, brotherly kindness, and charity, we are creating a culture of learning intentionally. We are creating a culture, I'm gonna walk now uh, for just a second, but we are creating a culture of learning intentionally. Everybody say intentionally. Don't you know that there is nothing that we do for God or nothing that we do in life is accidental? Nothing, nothing that we do for God or nothing that we do in life per se, it is, it is accidental. I'm not talking about you flying down the road at 85 and you get a speed ticket. You did it on purpose, that wasn't an accident. You just got caught doing something intentional that you weren't supposed to be doing. But nothing that we do for God is, is, is by accident, but it is, it is intentional. We intentionally came here tonight. Intentional, that was on purpose. That was not an accident. If that was an accident, man, I tell you what, I love your accidents, I love your accidents. But this, this, this was intentional. And the reason that intentionality uh, is so important is because what has happened, we are creating a culture. We are creating a culture. Now, uh, I can't remember who said that. I remember Pastor Brother Lazine or, or uh, one of the other evangelists pastor came, had come in, Brother Diaz or one of the other ones. But, but, but here's what happened. Here's what happened. Every last one of us have come out of a culture. Every last one of us has come out of a culture. Say, man, it's okay. Y'all like y'all afraid, but every last one of us has come out of some culture. Every last one of us. Let me give you a culture that I came out of, okay? Here's the culture I came out of. Coming up as a child, when I got introduced to the, my father's side of the family, they knew how to handle things a certain way. A certain way. On one particular occasion, uh, my uncle had some trouble with one of his sons, son-in-laws, in Columbus, Ohio. I lived in Steubenville, Ohio. So I don't know why I was there at the house at the time, but I was going to Columbus with them. My uncle had me and my other three cousins come up in the bedroom, and there on the bed was laid out by five handguns. Five handguns. Oh, don't get quiet. Don't get scared on me. I didn't pick up one. I'm, I'm, you know, I didn't pick up one handgun. But that was a culture that was created. So I looked at all those handguns on the bed, and, and my uncle said to me, you don't let anybody push you around. And I'm looking at those guns. So in my mind, the way to handle problems Culturally speaking, from that environment, come on now, you handle it aggressively. Now, now some of us need to be exposed to aggression. I'll I just let you know right now. Some of us, I'm not telling anybody to pick up a gun. I would never suggest that. But some of us need to know how to go back and fight again. The enemy. The enemy. Because we got to Columbus, you know, and, uh, you know, just, just, I made it back home. I made it back home. We'll just say that. I made it back home. But, but what happened there from, from, a, from a child's perspective, okay, a culture was created. A culture was created in my mind. There was a paradigm created in my mind. So, so, so now, you know, coming through high school and those little encounter times, those little encounter times, you know, whenever somebody messed with my sister, guess what? I responded according to my culture. Whenever there was conflict in school, conflict in the classroom, guess what? I responded according to my to my culture, okay? But here's what happens, right? When we are intentionally building ourselves, hey, Basaha, right? In the word of God, when we are intentionally holding Bible studies, glory to God, right? Reaching out to somebody with our families involved, with our children, our, our sons, our daughters involved. Let me tell you what's happening. We are creating a culture, come on, in the mind and the life of those loved ones, of those young ones, right? 
follow me now. Now they know that part of living for God is not just being satisfied in their own salvation experience, but now I have to understand I've got to reach for someone else. It's a culture. It's a culture. Everybody say it's a culture. It's a culture. So, so that means this right here. Because I live by this culture, I don't need a Saturday morning outreach time to go out and knock somebody's door. You know what we've done, right? And I'm not knocking it. I'm not knocking it, right? I'm not knocking it because people still do it. And I think it's, it's, it's well, statistics say you're only getting 2% of that. Well, 2% is better than none. Somebody say amen, right? But why would you get up on a Saturday morning, go knock on somebody's door you don't know, when you walk by thousands of people every single day of your life that you don't know? But when you live according to the culture or the expectation that God has given us, then everyone I walk by, come on now, right, can be a possible candidate for salvation. Why? Because in my mind, in my culture, there is an expectation, there's an expectation, what? That God will give me those delivered results. Watch this. We're going to go to a scripture in Isaiah, but let me pre-read, pre-give you the paradigm. Uh, uh, the definition or the background of this in just a second. The children of Israel were in Egypt. How many years? Oh, no, they were in there a little bit longer than 40. 400-something years, right? So for 400 years plus, there was a paradigm created. There was a culture created. There was a mindset developed, right? So when God brought them deliverance, and you too, right? They were still under that, they were still under that. <laughs> I love y'all tonight. I love y'all tonight. They were still under that culture, under that mindset, under that paradigm, right? Because they were, they were used to living a bound life, used to living a, con- a controlled life. Watch what the Lord says about this. Turn with me, I think it's Isaiah 46. Isaiah 19, Isaiah 19, verse 22. Here's what the scripture says. And the Lord shall smite Egypt and shall smite and heal it, and they shall return even to the Lord. Everybody say to the Lord, to the Lord, and he shall be entreated of them, and he shall, everybody say, heal them. He shall heal them. Heal is defined here to mend, to cure, repair thoroughly, thoroughly, or to make whole thoroughly or or to make whole so 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 that means this right here israel was supposed to be a representation of god to the world to the world they drifted but god didn't just leave them alone they drifted and stayed there for a substantial amount of time during that time they begin to create a paradigm create a culture the taskmasters influencing them and beating them and all the things that they experienced that were horrible but but yet and still right when God brought them deliverance, when God brought them out of it, guess what they still had to experience? They still had to experience healing. They still had to be mended. And they still had to be what? Thoroughly made whole. Now, I'm, I'm going to do something wrong. I hope not. But I'm about to say something that many of you may not agree with, right? But, but if you're married in here today, don't you know when you married the person you married to, they weren't whole? 
If you're sitting next to your wife or you sit next to your husband, go ahead and look at them. Tell them, baby, I love you, but God's still working on you. See downstairs? <laughs> if God wasn't still working on us, we wouldn't have to have marriage counselors. If God wasn't still working on us, we wouldn't have to be, you know, rich dad, poor dad, you know. Uh, what's that uh, love language of a wife, love language of a husband? Come on, somebody. I, I, God's still working on this. You know, my wife is not here. She may be listening and watching. Baby, if you're listening and watching, I love you. I don't know if we're streaming, but baby, I love you. But guess what? As fine as those dimples are, and I love those dimples. They're so beautiful. And as soft as those lips are, they are soft, baby, and I love those soft lips. <laughs> but guess what? God's still working on those dimples. God's still working on those soft lips. And guess what? He's still working on this hard head. Come on, y'all. Why? Because I came out of a culture. I came out of a mindset, come on, here's where God's word is working. I came out of a mindset to totally contradict the edification of marriage between a husband and a wife. And you did also. You did also. You just don't want to admit it right now in the presence of God. You just don't want to admit it. Okay? Now, I'm going to tell you something, right? Mending takes time. This ain't even my lesson right now, but I'm down this lane. Mending takes time. That is a long, arduous process. That is a long, arduous process. But the end shall speak for itself. But it takes time. None of us are where we need to be overnight. But God knows how to thoroughly make us whole. Everybody say, God knows how to thoroughly make us whole. Can, can, can I come home right now? Somebody say, come on home, bro. It's time to go. Come on home. All right, let's go home right now, all right? Many of us in this church right now, guess what? God is still working on us. God is still working on us. Some of us can't get out the door on time. Some of us can't show up to church on time. Some of us don't pray when we leave home, you know, get home. Some of us don't read our Bible when we get home. You know, we got devotions to do every morning. Some of us don't do devotions. Guess what? God is still working on us. God is still working on us. Don't you know some of us still got problems in loving one another? But guess what? God is still working on me. Don't, aren't you glad God's still working? This ain't even my message. But aren't you glad God's still working on you? Come on, somebody. God's still, I ain't locked up somewhere where God can't have access. I, I'm not locked up. I'm not in prison because God is still working on me. I thank God for that. He's still working on me. Oh, come on now. Come on now. Because there is a process. Here's now. The Bible tells us in the book of James. It, said us, it says for us in James, I think it's James chapter 1, it says this. It says for us to receive with meekness that engrafted what? Come on, Bible scholars. That engrafted what? That engrafted word which is able to do what? Save what? Save our souls, right? Don't you know that that word that God sent to save our souls is targeting every last area of our lives? Our soul is our mind, our will, our emotion, and our intellect. Don't you know that our soul is connected to our relationships as well? And if our relationships are not prospering, if our relationships are not where they need to be, don't you know that engrafted word is able to heal it? Amen. We're just going to have this conversation, you and I. All right. 
right? Because <laughs> I believe, I believe this. Yes. I believe that God's word can heal us. I'm just going to look at everybody's face in there until I connect eye to eye with everybody. Because I believe that God's word can heal us. Now, now, here's what I want you to ask yourself. And we're going to wrap some things up here in just a second. I got like 40 more minutes before we close. So I, I want to. So I, I want you to ask yourself this. I want you to ask yourself this. I want you to have that kumbaya encounter right now. Okay. What area of your lives have you not allowed the word of God into? If I didn't have these replaced Air Force knees, I'll run right now. Because honestly speaking, honestly speaking, if I'm going to have a conversation with myself or just a conversation with God, if me and the Lord behind closed doors and you're not listening to me, I got this mic in my hand, but if I was to have a conversation and you're not listening to me, I would tell God, I did not allow you into this area of my life. I would be honest with God and tell God that. Why? Because I want to do better. And the only way to do better is to allow everybody to say, I must allow the word of God. Come on, the word of God into my life so that I can be healed. I must allow the word of God into that secret place so that I can be healed. I must allow the word of God into that dark place so that I can be delivered. I must allow the word of God into that unmentionable place so that I can be healed. Glory to God. Glory to God. Because if I am going to walk prosperous, if the word of God, if God is going to fulfill his will in my life, I've got to be an open book, which I already am before him, but I've got to know that I can't hide from God. God, I want you to heal this hate. I want you to heal this hurt. I want you to heal this backbiting. I want you to heal this deception. I want you to heal these blind. I want you to heal it. Ha. Huh. Because when God steps in and heals this area of our life, there is something released in us and through us that will glorify his name. Don't you know that our relationships, speaking of relationships, are, are meant to be an example to the non-Christian world around us? And if there's an aspect of my relationship with my brother, an aspect of relationship with my elder, an aspect of relationship with my mother, if there's an aspect of either one of those relationships that need healing, guess what? Sinners see that it needs healing before believers do. Oh, y'all think y'all that deep, huh? All right, let me, can I prove it to you? Sister Zabaya and I used to teach Bible studies together, right? I'm not going to use an example. She's like, oh, Lord, please don't let him come over here. <laughs> I want you to hear this. I want you to hear this. I can tell you, I can tell you that there are aspects of our life that God's still working on by looking at your phone record. We're just having fireside chat right now. I can tell. I can tell. All right? Let me get a volunteer. Let me get a volunteer. Let me see your cell phone. Anybody, bring up, bring up your cell phone. Why ain't nobody moving? I'm joking. Why ain't nobody moving? <laughs> no, 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 Auntie Kim. It's okay. I'm just teasing. Don't nobody want to see how many times you called Joel in Houston? 
but but here, here, here's why. Here's why. Because there, there's some areas of our lives we're refusing to target. And we're wondering why we haven't been as efficient in our efforts to reach somebody for God as we desire to. Ooh. My, 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 my. Look at the person next to you and tell them this. Tell them God wants to heal you. Look at the person on the other side and tell them God wants to heal you. The Living Translation of James 1 and 21 says this. So get rid of all wrong in your life, both inside and outside, and humbly be glad for that wonderful message we have received, for it is able to save our our souls. It is able to save our souls. I'm not going to meddle any longer. I'm not going to meddle any longer. But I want to say this. I want to say this. If there's any area in our lives that, that is missing anything, that's a vacant, that's a negative mark, something that does not, does not glorify God, if there's any in our lives, we have to allow the word of God in there to reconcile that area to his purpose and intention. We have to allow the word of God in there to do that. I, I, I love the story of Joseph, just like you do also. I, I love the dreams. I, I, I love how God used him. But one of the things I love about him is his resolve. It's his resolve. He had a phone call where, where you and I can talk. Brother, I need you to pray for me. It's, it's cutting up right now. He, he, he wasn't able to do that. He wasn't able to call his brothers, his father. He wasn't able to connect after being thrown in a pit, after being falsely accused and thrown in a prison. He had a resolve. He had a resolve, watch this, without the Holy Ghost. He was absolutely determined without the Holy Ghost. How much more shall we that are Holy Ghost-filled, tongue-talking believers. Come on now. Foot-stomping, devil-chasing, owl-running believers. How much more can we be victorious if we allow the Word of God to work in our lives the way that God desires for it to work? Come on, somebody. Come on, somebody. We, in these last days, we are going to see things that we've never thought we've seen before. We are going to meet people and minister to people that we've never thought that we would meet or minister to before. Can I tell you a dream that I had? I'm going, I want you. I'm, 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 I'm going to share a dream with you that I had. <clears throat> I don't know if it's wise to tell this. It's just a dream, but... But, you know, for you all that watch the, the love of my lives and the days of our lives, whatever it's called, this ain't a soap opera story, but I, I want you to catch this, okay? I had a dream that President Trump, one member of the Department of Defense, showed up at my door, and, and they're in Dayton, in Kettering, knocked on my door. I was excited to see them. They came in, I witnessed to them, told them the importance of salvation, showed them the scripture, and we brought President Trump here to this church. I called Pastor Erston and Brother Charlie on the way down. I said, we're about to baptize the President of the United States in Jesus' name. Oh 
I'm not making that up. I actually had that dream. And, and, and you know what? Without psychoanalyzing the whole aspect of that dream, you know what I really feel God was showing me? There is no one beyond the scope of our limit in reaching for God. Hello, somebody. There is no one beyond the scope of our limit in reaching for God. Now, I'm going to tell you something. I'm going to tell you something. I don't mean to pick, and I'll, I, God forgive me, and you forgive me too for what I'm about to say, because I don't mean to pick. But when I look around this room, I can tell that some of us got a problem with that. Now, I want you to look at the person next to you, look them dead in the eyes, and tell them, is it you? <laughs> Come on, be honest. Be honest. Is it, go ahead and ask them. Don't be afraid. I give you permission. By the authority of the word of the Lord, I give you permission to look them in the eyes and ask them, is it you? <laughs> now, here's, that's what I believe the Lord was allowing me to believe and allow me to see that there is no one beyond the scope of our limit when it comes to reaching for God. Watch this. But some of us has put barriers in between that possibility because we live our lives a certain way. And we're not allowing the word of God to have free course in our lives. I don't care what politics, I don't care what you are, what your belief system is, politically speaking. I really don't care. And can I tell you who else don't care? Does not care at all. Does not care at all. Because Democrats ain't going to heaven, believers going to heaven. Republicans aren't going to heaven, believers are going to heaven. Now, if you just happen to be a Republican believer, you're still going. If you just happen to be a Democratic believer, you're still going. But let me tell you something, believers are going to heaven. But don't allow your political officiation to keep you from going and doing what God called you to do. Stand with me, if you will, tonight. If you're taking notes, I want you to write something down. <clears throat> if you're taking notes. If you're not taking notes, pull out your phone, pull out your ink pen, pull out your iPad. Commit this to memory. Commit this to memory. We are called, we are called, as Holy Ghost filled believers here, we are called to live evangelistic lives. We are called. But you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost will come upon you, Acts 1 and 8. And you shall be witnesses unto me, both in Judea, Samaria, both in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and unto the uttermost parts of the world, of the earth. We are called to live evangelistic lives. We are called to be a witness. And let me tell you something. There is wisdom that God gives you, every last one of us in here as individuals, when we desire to reach somebody for him, there's wisdom that God will give you to reach that. Joel said to me, Sister Kim, when him and Darren and I were together last week, he said this here. He said, just because the, my evangelism effort does not look like something that's endorsed by the church, it doesn't mean that it's not something endorsed by God. More people, more people, more people, more people. You, you need to understand that. You need to understand that because sometimes our effort don't really exemplify what we believe because we're so traditional. We're so culturally bound by what? Church culture. We're so culturally bound by how we've always done something. But when our evangelism effort does not line up with what's endorsed by the church, does that mean it's not God ordained? Now, now, mind you, let me qualify that, okay, because I know that some of y'all watch television and, and listen to soap operas and, and reality TV, right? So I'm not talking about you going on some dating game, The Last Bachelor, Last Bachelorette, or something like that. I'm not talking about that, right? Because I think that's inappropriate, to be quite honest with you, right? 
But just because it's, it's not something that you've seen done before doesn't mean that it's not something that's endorsed by God. All right, let's close in prayer. Let's close in prayer. Lift your hands with me right now. All over this house, all over this house. Father, your word is working in areas of our lives, Father, where we desire. There are lives, Father, that you, you desire to change. They're, they're, they're my own life, Father, and aspects of my own life that, that you desire to change, that you desire for me to live better, that, that you desire for me, Father, to allow that secret area, allow that, Father, hidden area, Father, allow that unmentionable area, Father, to, to allow light to shine in that dark area, Father. To, to really glorify you. you. You desire that. You desire that. You desire that. And Father, every one of us here tonight, Father, we want to do better. We want to allow the working of your word, Father, to hit every area of our lives, Father, where we're unyielding to. Because your mercy endures forever, Father. It is because of your mercies that we have not been consumed, Father. It is because of grace, Father, that is unlimited, Father, that we have not stumbled over into eternity. But God, we ask now, we give you access now, Father, to that, to that area of my life, Father, that, that I've hid from you, I thought. To that area of my mind, Father, that I've, I've kept from you, I thought. We give you access, Father, to that area of my heart, Father, our hearts, Father, that, that we have kept to ourselves. We, we kept it on reserve, Father. We did not want to give that to you, but Father, we give it to you now. Because God, where you're going in, in our lives and where you're going in our ministry as a Tree of Life Church, Father, we want to be an open book before you. We want to be naked before you. We want to allow you, Lord God, to every area of our lives, Father, that it can be fruitful, Father. We want to add to our faith virtue, to virtue knowledge, and to knowledge temperance. We want to add these things, Father. We want them to be fruitful. We give you access to them now. We give you access to them now, Father. We give you access, oh God, to our relationship. We give you access to our finances, Father, to those areas, Father, that we keep it on reserve. We're keeping them hid from you. We give you access to it now. Now, Father, in the name of Jesus, I'm asking God that you give us victory as believers. Father, not just here in the Tree of Life Church, Father, but God, victory, Lord God, across our nation in the life of every believer, Father, that your will can be wrought in our lives. Because God, you can do all things through us, Father. Nothing is impossible for you to do. Now, Father, we surrender to you as Mary surrendered to the voice of that angel. Be it unto us, Lord God, as you will, Father. Be it unto us in our mind, Father, victory, Father. Be it unto us in our heart, purity, Father. Be it unto us in our walk, Father. Solid, victorious, Lord God. Be it unto us in our praise. Be it unto us, Lord God, in our relationships. Be it love, Father. Be it victory. Be it humility. Be it unto us as you will. We surrender and ask, Father, that you would use us for your glory, Lord God. Now, Father, we ask in the name of Jesus, for your will is already done in heaven. And we ask now, Father, let it be done on earth in our lives as you will, Lord God. Have access, God. And everyone said in Jesus' name, amen, amen. Before we are dismissed, before we walk away, I, 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 I just got to ask, I just got to ask. Is there anybody here that needs prayer? Is there anybody here that needs prayer? And I'm not just talking about the areas of teaching that we just focus on. If anybody in here needs prayer tonight.
Anyone, 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 amen. Come on, let me get some brothers to come down and pray with Brother Rubio as he come. Amen. Is there anyone needs prayer? I don't care what area of your life it is. I don't care what, what you need to bring before God. I don't care what it is that you need assistance with. We have not because we ask not. We have not because we ask not. Hallelujah. There are men in this house today. Come on now. Let's intercede with our brothers. There are sisters here right now. Don't listen to Harrison stand by herself. Come on down. Come on. Our sisters come in here. Let me get some sisters. Come on down and minister and pray with her in the name of Jesus. Come on, sisters. Come on, sisters. Come on, sisters. Come on, sisters. Come on. Declare the word of the Lord. Declare victory. Declare healing. There's sisters over here on the right. Come on, on the left. Come on down, my sister. Come on down. I need intercessors. I need intercessors.